United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. Another jam-packed show on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. We kick things off with Mike Noonan who's been the head coach at Clemson since 2010. His team is number two in the country, Division I men's soccer. And tomorrow night, he'll take on NC State in Raleigh, a game I'll have the call on on ACC Network Extra. After him, we go D2 women's soccer, and then a little later, D2 men's soccer. Up first, Michelle Leonard, now in her 14th year as the head coach at Dallas Baptist University, where she has her team at number two. She's got a strong message for women in the game. I think you will like it. Then we begin a new weekly segment called Countdown to Convention, and we kick things off with the Director of Operations and Events for United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Van Dusen. And every week, we'll have a Countdown to Convention with a very special guest who will be a part of the 2022 convention in Kansas City. We go back to D2 after our visit with Jeff and we meet Tony Tuco, who has been the longtime coach at Rockers. Only Dr. Jay Martin, I guess last week, has more wins in men's college soccer than Tony Tuco. And we wrap up our time with Casey Clark, who is the founder and creator of Keeper Wars Inc. I-N-K. You'll like my visit with Casey as well. A jam-packed show, and it begins with Mike Noonan after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Kicking off this week's show with the head coach of the number two team in the country, the Clemson Tigers, top man, Mike Noonan. He is a repeat guest on United Soccer Coaches, of course. He's had great success first at Brown, and now he's been at Clemson since, I believe, 2010. That's right, isn't it, Coach? I believe that's correct, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> they run together, Dean. Well, you're off to a great start, though, number two in the country. You're probably going to tell me rankings don't matter right now, but certainly being number two, you got to feel good about your start on the season. No, we have a veteran group coming back, and they've started the season well. We're looking forward to getting into ACC play. One of the things I've always liked about your team, Mike, is you play really attractive soccer and you score a lot of goals. Fans like seeing a lot of goals. Just talk about the kind of style of soccer you like to play. Well, I think that that's something that, that everybody likes to see. You know, we're, we're a little bit expansive, and we like to uh, we like to commit numbers into the attack, and recreate our width with uh, our outside backs, which. Some, sometimes can leave us a little exposed at the back, but uh, but also it creates goal scoring opportunities. So uh, you know we've been uh, we've tried to shore it up a little bit this year defensively, but uh, we're still going to go out and attack and try and score. I'm leading off today's show with five great guests with you because I'll have the call tomorrow as you take on NC State over at Dale Soccer Stadium. George Kiefer now in his fifth year. The fan support at NC State's been great to start the season. And you know the deal, playing the ACC schedules like playing in the NCAA tournament, there's no easy outs, and it won't be an easy out on Friday, will it? 
Oh, heck, heck no. <laughs> Particularly with the crowd they get over there. And, uh, you know, George has, has done a really, really good job with the team. And, you know, it's, it's like opening a restaurant, right? If you open the door at, in your seventh year, you, you're really successful in coaching. When you open the door in your fifth year, that's when everything really starts to come together. And I think that that's, uh, that's the case at NC State. One of the things that has happened at Clemson is the support for your program and for Eddie's program has been phenomenal. I realize you'll be in Raleigh on Friday, but can you put into words the facilities you have there in Clemson? The great thing about Clemson is that, you know, we have we have several international players who played you know, in new systems at big clubs throughout the world. And when they come over and they see our facilities, their first comment is that, well, this is what the first team gets at, at our clubs. So, you know, it, it is first class uh, all the way around. And our new practice facility has made our work really, really efficient. Uh, and from a recruiting standpoint, there aren't many better places when you walk into a facility to uh, be able to apply your trade if you're going to a college environment. I know it's rare for Clemson football to lose a game. They did lose their game uh, to start the season, but they'll be back again and probably be in the final four as well for, for football. What does it meant to be at Clemson with that great football program? Do you get to spend much time with the, with their coaches at all? Yeah, we, we spend quite a bit of time with, uh, with all of our coaches here. And, and I think that it's not just the football team, but I think the athletic department uh, overall is outstanding. You know, we've got, Major League Baseball draft choices, Olympic gold medalists. We've got golfers on the PGA Tour. We've got uh, NBA draft choices. So, obviously, our football program is the is is the engine to the train. But the uh, but the athletic department here is great, and being able to share ideas and uh, you know with all of the colleagues and coaching colleagues. Dabo's a special guy, though. You know, what you see is what you get when you talk about authentic and genuine and uh, a great leader and a great leader of, uh, of for all of our coaches here at Clemson. Well, you're special as well, Mike. And obviously you were attracted to Clemson. You're knocking on the door. You almost won that national championship. Is that the ultimate goal for you, coach, down there at Clemson to not only win ACC titles, but win national championships? You might call it a goal. And of course it is. You know, you don't you don't compete in order uh not to win championships, but you know, it, there's much more to the purpose of what we do here at Clemson and, and what I do in, in my career and, you know, to help grow young men and inspire our community here at Clemson, particularly those that, that, that don't have the advantages that many of us do in order to, uh, to play a sport, to compete in the college, to get an education, those types of things. I, you know, so there's, it's so much more than just winning championships. Uh, if you do things the right way, Dean, you know that uh, championships will come to you. And I expect that we'll poke our head through on the, uh, on the national stage here, hopefully very soon. I expect that as well. One of the things that you've always been as well as a friend of the association back when the NSCA game of the week, you were at Brown, you had us come in there. So you've obviously been attached to the association for a long time. What's it meant to you, Mike? Yeah, it's, it's without question. Not only every, uh, Trump is the fact that it's the largest soccer coaches association in the world, but it's not just the largest, but it's the best, right? The, the diversity of the association, uh, the welcoming, uh, you know, way that everybody in the association is with everybody else. You know, the com convention is just a phenomenal place to be every year. And, you know, the education side of it, the award side of it, the honoring our past. And, uh, you know, I've been very involved with that with my, our past coaches and Coach Yeagley and a number of other people who have mentored me through my career. So uh, it, it's, it's like one-stop shopping. It's the best association in the world. 
Quick comment on the stability of men's college soccer. As I continue to look out at the national team, I still see a great majority of those players played in college. Last year, we kind of, because of COVID, got a little touch of what would be the 21st century model. Just a little comment on how you feel men's college soccer is doing, because I still feel like it's rock solid. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that, that it is. There, there will always be college soccer in some form or fashion, right? And it's part of the developmental process in this country, right? And it's uh, it's so valuable because of the educational piece to it uh, and also what you alluded to in the facilities. I mean, there are not many youth or USL clubs that have the resources that I have here at Clemson when it comes to sports science, strength and conditioning, sports psychology, nutrition, you know, all around for the development of the athlete. If we can get to a 21st century model, it will take our sport leaps and bounds. And I believe that we can get there, you know, so from a stability standpoint, I think we're rock solid. And, and I think that we're just trying to advance it to a point where it's better for the athlete, right? Better for the student, and then ultimately better for the sport at every level of the game. Just two more questions for Mike Noonan, the top man at Clemson, who will take on George Kiefer's NC State Wolfpack, 7 o'clock ACC Network Extra. I'll have the call with John Bouyer on Friday night from Dale Soccer Stadium. On this show is Tony Toko. On last week's show was Dr. Jay Martin, two of the legends of the game at D2 and D3, respectively. When you see what they've done at that level, D2 and D3, knowing that it fits in with the association, I know you respect the history of those two great men. Oh, no question. You know, Jay Martin, I, I'm a division three guy myself going to Middlebury and uh, you know, Jay Martin is the icon of division three coaches and Tony, obviously a division two at Rockers, uh, fantastic careers. And, you know, again, I think that, that they have similar principles, you know, they want to educate great men through the game of, of soccer and through the association uh, we're able to come together and, 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 you know, be colleagues and, and share ideas and, and share, uh, share experiences. And, you know, it, it's not just, you know, a college thing or a professional thing or a divisional division one, two or three, it, it's all coaches coming together for the purpose of the good of the game. And, and I respect the hell out of both those guys. Final question as we wrap up our time with Mike Noonan, the top man at Clemson who has NC state tomorrow, Friday, seven o'clock on ACC network extra looking forward to call that game. And I guess Mike looking for some keys. If you do, these things right, you'll move on to 5-0 and and knock off NC State and Raleigh tomorrow night on ACC Network Extra. Well, one thing is we've got to travel well more than anything else. It's our first road trip, right? And that's a big part of being able to, you know, have the energy to, to put that out on the field on, on, uh, on Friday night. The other thing is, is that, you know, I think that if we can possess the ball uh, the way that I think we can and pass on angles through, uh, through their team, I think we'll be, we'll be very successful. And, uh, you know, but every time we go to Dell Stadium and, and NC State, it is a dogfight. It is a dogfight. And, and George and his team are very, very well coached. I know they'll be up for the game. There's always something special for your first ACC game, and I know that both teams will be ready to go. So the, the fans are in for a good night tomorrow night. Can't wait to call it. It'll be Clemson, NC State, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. Clemson, the number two team in the country. Coach Noonan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Great job, Dean. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, as always, you do a fantastic job for our sport. Thank you. My pleasure. Always good to spend time with Clemson top man, Mike Noonan. When we return, we go D2 women. The number two team in the country is Dallas Baptist University. 
They are led by 14-year head coach Michelle Leonard, who's got a great message for all you women out there thinking about coaching. You will like my visit with Michelle Leonard, number two in the country with Dallas Baptist after these messages. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Michelle Leonard, now in her 14th year as the head coach of the women's soccer team at Dallas Baptist University, who this week was announced as the number two team for women division two, a four-time conference coach of the year and the 2015 South Central Region Coach of the Year. Leonard has guided the Patriots to the NCAA postseason eight times, including a South Central Regional title and a trip to the Elite Eight in 2015. And Coach Leonard joins me now. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Hey, Dean, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you. Delighted to see the jump from number seven to number two. I think you're going to tell me that it's too early for that to really matter, but obviously number two in the country is kind of a big deal. I got to believe your players are at least a little pumped about it, Michelle. Honestly, I hope they're not paying any attention to it. We have a game this evening, and so I hope they're focused on that. And we're certainly grateful for the recognition, uh, but it is early. We've only had two games, and there's a lot of good teams, including the team that we're playing tonight. So we're just going to focus on that moving forward. All right. Well, good luck tonight as we hope you move to 3-0, and off to a 2-0 and start already with your record now at 184-74-23. That's a great record. That also tells me that you really like it at Dallas Baptist. Can you tell me what makes that place so special for you? Oh, I do. I love it. I, I love my job. I love going to work every day. I think most people who've never been to DBU have no idea what we have going on there. Uh, it's, first of all, it's a beautiful campus. Uh, even though it's right halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth, great access to two great cities. But the campus itself is a little secluded, on a hill, uh, beautiful. Uh, everything on campus is beautiful. And so that's the first thing. It just feels great to drive on campus every day. We have fantastic facilities, uh, great students and great teachers and great administration. And I really can't say enough about the university as a whole. And you're right, I've been there a long time because I love it there and it, it doesn't feel like work for me. And uh, we have every opportunity to be successful, which is nice as well. I like hearing that because I love what I do. And I also love the fact that we've been doing this podcast now for several years and they always encourage me to talk to D2 and D3 coaches and junior college and NAIA. United Soccer Coaches, I think, does a really good job making sure it's not just all D1, but we do pay attention to every single level. That's got to make you feel pretty good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that people get caught up on the divisions in general in, in the wrong ways, and, and it's important for kids to look for the right fit. And we think our program offers a top-level experience. And yes, we compete at the Division II level, uh, but everything we have from facilities to travel to resources to our expectations for our players is on par with, I think, most Division I programs. Before we get to know you a little bit better, I liked your last comment there because I've had a lot of Division II coaches come on and say, you know, hey, in the spring we played D1 teams and sometimes we beat them. Can you compare D2 to D1 from where you sit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that 
the top D2 programs, um, us and a, a number of others can compete with uh, the mid-major division ones and even some of the higher level division ones consistently. And I think we've seen that both in some of the recent results that we've had. We had the opportunity in the spring to play a couple of division one opponents and get some positive results. But all around the country, both in men's and women's soccer, you're seeing division two teams go out and compete against division one and, and win a lot of those games. And that's a big message to our recruits as well. Um, we are not a lower level. Uh, we are a different opportunity, maybe with some different focuses, but we are certainly competing at the highest level. Want to get to know you a little bit better. I know you played at North Texas. Tell us what you did before that. Where did you grow up? Maybe what your mom and dad did when you fell in love with soccer? Did you play other sports? And maybe when you knew that you wanted to be a coach, maybe it happened even before North Texas, maybe it happened during. It's a loaded question, but I want to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, a uh, single parent family. So my mom raised my sister and I by herself. Um, and I loved all sports. Uh, I love to just get outside and play and compete, but definitely soccer got my heart early. So I did play other sports, but soccer was easily my favorite pretty early, which is interesting because in Lubbock in the nineties, there wasn't a lot of soccer going on. Uh, so I took every opportunity I could to play. I played with my best friends, brothers and the guys whenever I could. And that's really how I grew as a player. I was playing with boys and the handful of other girls in Lubbock that wanted to play at a high level. Um, and so I was fortunate. I got an opportunity to go to North Texas, uh, moved to Dallas, never thought I would do that. And then moved to Dallas, never wanted to move back and been in Dallas ever since. And I do think I wanted to coach prior to college. I knew I wanted to do something in athletics um, and ideally coaching, but I really didn't have any female coaches in my life or any female role models and didn't really know the path. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And my mom encouraged me to go to college and, um, get an education. I was the first person in my family to go to college and graduate. And so that was going to be the first step. And then uh, after I played at North Texas, I was given an opportunity to be an assistant at Texans Women's University there in Denton, uh, where Fleur Benatar was the head coach at the time. And uh, she's one of my best friends to this day. And she let a young 22-year-old straight out of college get an opportunity. And then eventually John hired me as his assistant at North Texas. And I was there for a few years before getting the opportunity at DBU. I feel like you kind of answered my next question. That is who have been some key mentors in your life and go ahead and do first and last names. We love dropping names on this show. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, Fleur Benatar Witten really uh, is again, my best friend, but also, uh, you know, just someone who early on showed me the path to becoming a coach. She was an assistant coach on staff at North Texas when I was playing. Then she started the program at Texas Women's University. After I graduated, I became her assistant. And then when John Headland needed an assistant back in North Texas, she encouraged me to go for that job. And so I did. John hired me and gave me an opportunity. He obviously brought me there to play as well. So grateful to him for that. But Fleur was then at TWU. And then I ended up at DBU. And then we ended up playing against one another for years uh, before she took a step back from the college game eventually. And then to raise her kids, got back in and then more recently went back to high school soccer. So, I mean, she's been a great mentor and friend for me. I think in the last few years and a big influence on my life has been Donna Fisher, which you may know, she does some stuff with United soccer coaches. She's been working with my program for five or six years and has been someone who's come in later in my career and really helped me to iron out some things and, and clarify my vision as I get into the next phase of my career. So two strong female influences on me who I talk to regularly. And, you know, and I've got friends, I, you know, Sean Hudson at LSU doing remarkable things with that program right now was that UCCS who we play against. In fact, that's who we played tonight. 
uh, turned that program around really well. So um, excited for her, but she also gave us the opportunity to come out and play LSU in the spring, which is a big game for my team. Uh, we were fortunate. We got a positive result and had a great experience. And so she came from a division two background and, and understands the levels and, you know, gave us an opportunity to come out and play. So those are some of the people that have had over my coaching career and more recently a big influence on my coaching. Yeah, those are great mentors. Big D is off and on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I've got time for her anytime she wants to come on because she always has an inspirational and yet direct message, which is one of the things I like about her. I'm glad you reflected on your playing days. What's your best memory as a player? You know, I think back to, I think it was my freshman year in college. We were in the Big West at the time. So we played all these West Coast California schools. And in my four years in North Texas, we only lost two games at home. One of them was my freshman year. And we lost a game at home against one of the California, I think UC Santa Barbara or someone like that. We lose that game. I felt the burden of that loss. I don't recall now exactly what happened, but I felt like it was my fault. Uh, in the very next game, we had another home game and I, I was able to score the game winner in overtime. I was a defensive mid, so I didn't score a lot of goals. I scored occasionally, but it was one of the best goals I've scored in my life. So I was 18, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. Now in your 14th season at Dallas Baptist, what's your best memory as a head coach so far, Michelle? I have a lot of great memories at DBU. Playing LSU in the spring was a really great opportunity experience for my team, and that's something that will go down as a great memory. I think just more recently, back in 2019, my team was in the NCAA tournament and we were hosting, we were at home playing Colorado School of Mines. We were losing with about 90 seconds on the clock and our goalkeeper got the ball and, and created a counterattack for us. And the, the events that followed were just, they still give me chills. It was just such an exciting moment and experience. I had seniors on the field whose college careers were about to be over and, and they just stepped up big and earned us a corner kick. And my senior center back comes up scores the game, the game tying goal on a corner kick to take us to overtime. And then we end up winning in penalties. So we've got a great kind of friendly rivalry with Colorado School of Mines, another great school in our region. And we've gone back and forth with them almost every year in the NCAA tournament. But that one was at home for our seniors, uh, something that we had trained and prepared for. So that as a coach was really nice as well. I like looking at your bio because as we know, you know, it takes players to make you know, great teams. And I'm looking at your All-Americans. You've got eight All-Americans. You've got four conference players of the years, three offensive player of the years. Looks like eight defensive players of the years, a goalkeeper of the year, three freshmen of the year. Those sound like pretty good players to me. Oh, absolutely. We've been blessed with some great kids. Um, and I think, obviously, we, we work hard to recruit really good players. Uh, but I think more importantly, we're really trying to develop players. Some of those kids I could name, especially on the 2015 team, they were no-name kids coming into college. They played for small, tiny teams. Um, maybe didn't one of them had not played soccer recently because she had stopped soccer to focus on basketball and went back to soccer and so went to college to play soccer. So we've kind of picked up these diamonds in the rough on a few occasions and really worked to help develop them. And, of course, they had tremendous ability. And so between good recruiting um, and then just developing kids, we've had some, some big-time players. One of them's on my staff. Well, actually, two of them are on my staff now. Leah Sedwick is my full-time assistant at DBU. She was a four-time All-American, unbelievable player, and a great coach. And Maggie Scales, also a 2019 All-American, is one of our graduate assistants. Important for me to keep those girls, those women now, in the program, influencing our new players. 
Yeah, keep them in the family. So speaking of family, I wanted to talk about your family. I know you and your husband, Len, have two boys, Keaton and Wyatt. Guessing, and they're probably a little older now, I don't know how old they are, but I've always kind of found that coaches that have kids, when they get involved with the soccer team, they be, they're sisters, right? Is that kind of how it is with Keaton and Wyatt around your team? Oh, absolutely. My boys are 10 and 12. Uh, and they adore my team. Uh, and I will say one of the really fun things I've witnessed parenting two boys and, and then being a head coach of a women's college team is just the admiration and respect that my boys have for my girls. Uh, it's really amazing. I think we'll help continue to change the future of our country when we have boys seeing strong women um, every day going out competing and working hard. And then they're just fantastic girls, too. They're setting a great example for my boys as well. And so my younger son, Wyatt, was born in October. So basically on the soccer field, literally a week after he was born, he was on the field hanging out with our trainer. Timing was maybe not exactly as we had planned, but sometimes that happens. And so uh, my kids are there. They go as much as they can. They're ball boys at all the games. The girls adore them. Uh, they love them as well. And, and yeah, they're just kind of an extension of the program. You know, as you think about getting more women involved. If you can see it, you can be it. So now people can see you, Michelle Leonard, now in your 14th year leading Dallas Baptists. Uh, there's still a lot of men coaching, and I'm sure they're great coaches as well. But for you, when you coach against another woman, talk about that feeling when you see that th there's more women getting involved in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love seeing female coaches, especially young female coaches, just new ones who are stepping out and taking that risk. And it is challenging for a number of reasons. Um, but I do have a player, a former player who just got her first head coaching job, Carrie Edwards at um, Georgia Southwestern and just took her first head coaching job out there, division two school in Georgia, won their first two games. So she played in the same class as Leah Sedwick. They were both played for four years at DBU together. And so love seeing her get out there. I've got players now that are old enough, which is making me feel very old to be college head coaches. And so I love being on the sideline with female coaches. I also think it's really important to recognize the male coaches who have encouraged me and other female coaches to, to do more and to take those next steps. You know, when I came to, well, at the time was the Heartland Conference. When I started at DBU in 2008, uh, Nick Cal at St. Edwards was, was a great influencer for me. I was 26. I was, had never been a head coach. Um, and I had, a, you know, all these ideas in my head, but was really pretty young and inexperienced. And guys like Nick and Mike Cook at UCO, who had been in the game for a while, really encouraged me and, and really, I think, were a big influence, even though they coached our opposing teams. Uh, they weren't afraid of that. They were really looking to push the game forward and encourage female coaches and also their female athletes to have opportunities like that moving forward. So I've had a lot of great women influence me, but also some men who saw the value in encouraging a young female coach. Great answer. One of the things that uh, I like, I call some NWSL games. Bethany Bosser, former NAIA player of the year, is the leading goal scorer right now in the NWSL. Why can't we have more D2 women have that dream of going to the NWSL? Do you think it's possible, Coach? I do. I had a player last year, and she actually just went pro in Europe. Um, she's from the Netherlands, who I think if she'd have stayed here, would have ended up in the NWSL. Just got called up to the U23 um, Dutch national team. So she was only played for us for a year. She had the opportunity to go home and go pro and play in this next U20 World Cup. And so she took that opportunity, but she would have definitely done that. Um, I think the path is potentially a little different. I think maybe a few of them need to go and play in Europe first and work their way back to the NWSL, but I would love to see it. Um, I think there's some great players in, the, in Division Two and in, in AI in Division Three that could compete at the next level. 
what's really interesting is, is the coaching, you know, um, Scott Parkinson, who just got hired um, as a new head coach out in what, New Jersey, New York, he wow. was coaching in division two, just a handful of years ago in my conference. Wow. And so that's a really fun thing to see happen and a, and a great opportunity for Scott. But um, I do think there's players and coaches at this level that can make a difference at the professional level. How excited are you about the state of women's soccer? Yes, we didn't win the gold medal in the last Olympics, but we figure we'll be a favorite or close to a favorite to win the third World Cup in a row. The NWSL is showing stability. They're adding teams. Yes, there's growing pains and a little bit of bumps uh, here and there, but uh, I feel like women's soccer from whether it's ECNL or the GA or USYS all the way up through college, the pro to the national team, it's never been better. Oh, I agree. I mean, there's opportunities now that were for sure not there when I graduated college all over the world, both here in the U.S. and, and Europe and lots of opportunities to play. Uh, it is exciting. I think before probably Division II athletes wouldn't have had that potential, but now there's so many different ways to go on and play at the next level. Uh, but, you know, with this NWSL final coming up, I think it's a sign. Uh, it clearly shows that we're not where we want to be just yet with this NWSL final being scheduled for 9 a.m. Just little things like that that are keeping the game from getting to where it really can be. Uh, there are a lot of people that want to watch that game and, you know, we need to put it at a time that's suitable for people to do so. And so that's a little bit frustrating and discouraging, but there's a lot of voices out there trying to make a difference. And I think if we can make those small changes that the women's game in this country and around the world is continue to take off. Couple more questions for our guest, Michelle Leonard, the head coach at Dallas Baptist. They play actually yesterday, so we won't know the result as this will air on Thursday, but they're hoping to go to three and oh, they're the number two team in the country right now for women's division two. You touched earlier about how great it is to coach at Dallas Baptist. Can you put into words outside of the soccer team, what makes Dallas Baptist such a special place? Well, I think it's a fairly small community. We have about five to 6,000 students on campus. Uh, the teachers and faculty and administration there really genuinely care about that, the students and of course the student athletes. And so it's a wonderful campus um, where people feel at home and cared for. And in the current climate that we're all living through, COVID and everything else, I think that's really important. DBU has done a wonderful job of, of helping our students through what has been, you know, for their young lives, the most difficult thing most of them have ever had to deal with. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of schools out there that are trying to do that, but I think the size of our school lends itself to, to that individual attention, taking care of our people, helping them get a good college education, but more importantly, developing them as a person in and out of the classroom, on and off the field of competition, um, and just helping them go into the real world, both educated, but prepared for life after college. And I think Dallas Baptist University does a great job of that. I'd love to visit sometime. Your development as a coach, how has United Soccer Coaches helped you along the way, Michelle? Well, I've attended as many of the conventions over the past 10 or more years as I could. I, in fact, I can think back to being pregnant with my oldest son at one of them. So that had to have been 13 years ago. Um, and so I go every year. I enjoy the, the education opportunities there. I enjoy the opportunity to see other coaches, some of which I only see there every year. But I've been going so long, I recognize a lot of them. I've done several of what used to be the NSCAA coaching licenses, but now the United Soccer Coaches um, licenses. Um, I access the online content all the time. I really just digest anything and everything that I can. And so if it comes out in an email or on Twitter or somewhere, I'm, I'm reading it, I'm looking at it, um, and I'm taking advantage of it. And uh, United Soccer Coaches does such a great job of putting out really quality free content or very accessible content that I think in our busy lives as coaches is really critical. We can't always get away for a week or 10 days to do 
a long course the way that they used to be. Uh, but now you can just log into your computer and gain access to all of the content on the website. And you can become a better coach just by spending a few minutes a day studying. And finally, as we wrap it up, because we touched on it a little bit and you're number two in the country, and I can tell that you're a strong coach and also a strong woman because we touched on it. What's your message to young women out there that are thinking about becoming coaches, but maybe they're a little scared, a little worried because, you know, they're not seeing enough opportunities. What is your message to them to stick with it, coach? Yeah, we need you. We need female coaches. Uh, female players need female coaches and it is hard to get your foot in the door, but any opportunity that you have, take it and get some experience, find someone to mentor you, find someone who will help guide you along the way. Um, and, and don't be afraid and overpowered. There's some big personalities and some big male personalities in coaching. And I, not all women have to have this big, strong, you know, macho personality in order to be a quality coach, but sometimes because they don't, they get overpowered by people with those types of personalities. And so I just want to encourage any women who, whether they've got that type of personality or whether they're a little bit more reserved by nature to step out, take the risk, go get a license, go find a mentor, get involved with the team, especially as a graduate assistant straight out of college. That's what I'd like to see more college athletes doing, finish their playing careers, and then be a GA for two years and see if coaching is for you. Because I think my assistant coach, Leah Sedwick, actually wanted to be a math teacher. I begged her. I said, stay in the game. You want to, you know, you're, you're built to be a coach. So she did. She was our graduate assistant, then our volunteer assistant. And then our assistant coach position opened up and she was there and she'd been there for three years. And so now, you know, I don't think she would have it any other way. But ultimately, originally, that was not her plan. And I think we need coaches also encouraging that pushing that and, and telling our student athletes that they can do that and that they're needed. Great answer. Certainly appreciate it. Really enjoyed our time here with Michelle Leonard, now in her 14th year as the head coach of women's soccer at Dallas Baptist University, number two in the nation for women's division two. Michelle Leonard, thanks for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks so much, Dean. Michelle Leonard, what a great interview and what a great coach. I really enjoyed that. Coming up after this commercial break, it'll be a regular feature called Countdown to Convention where every single week we'll talk to someone or a group of people that will be doing something special at the convention in Kansas City January 19th through the 23rd or an award winner, anybody connected to the convention. We'll put the spotlight on them with the Countdown to Convention and we have to kick it off with the man who heads it all up, Jeff Van Dusen. This will be his 11th convention that he has been running. Jeff Van Dusen with a countdown to convention. Then we'll go back to D2 and talk to one of the most successful coaches all time, Tony Tuco, the top man for the Rockhurst men. But first, it's countdown to convention after these messages. Hi, this is Dean Linke, host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast with a special message from my mentor and United Soccer Coaches. Mentoring is widely considered to be the best approach to connect theory into practice. Your role as a mentor is critical to helping coaches to develop their knowledge and skills within the soccer coaching environment. The Mentoring Soccer Coaches Special Topics Diploma, created in collaboration with my mentor, will enable you to explore and apply the principles of mentoring with your coaches. And you can register now for this unique education opportunity at home.mymentorportal.com. That's at home.mymentor, M-I-M-E-N-T-O-R, portal.com. 
www.thecoursecoachingmentor.com. The course and the first virtual workshop begin on the 14th of September. Time now for the Countdown to Convention, a weekly interview on the United Soccer Coaches podcast that features the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which will take place January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Every week during this time, our host, Dean Linky, will take a deep dive with someone or a group of people that will be featured at this year's convention. Remember to register early for the convention by going to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Now, here's Dean with this week's Countdown to Convention. You heard it, the Countdown to Convention, a special segment that will run this week all the way through the convention. And there's no other way to kick it off than deal with the man who runs it, now his 11th running it, the Director of Operations and Events for United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Van Dusen, joins me now. Jeff, great to be with you. Ian, it's always great to be with you and talk about this wonderful event. Yeah, you heard it, Countdown to Convention. This is a set piece. Every week we're going to be rolling with convention presenters, convention award winners, you name it. If it's tied to the convention, we're going to do it. I'm excited to wave the convention flag every week with you, Dean. We're going to have someone on that's going to talk about the awesome convention program, how fantastic this event is, and we're going to be reunited in Kansas City. That's this year's theme, and we'll have someone on every week talking about the wonderful opportunities for the coaches out there to come to Kansas City and learn from some of the best in the world. Let's touch on Kansas City real quick. Obviously, it's the home of United Soccer Coaches, a great city, a great venue for the convention. Kansas City is a hidden secret. They have done an amazing job since the last time we were here, 10 years ago, actually. 2012, we were here. They've done a wonderful job of creating that campus environment for citywide conventions such as ours. We've got a bunch of hotels surrounding the convention center. So you don't need to walk very far to get to the convention center from your hotel. We've got great bars and restaurants with a few blocks away with the power and light district. We've got a great beer culture here with a ton of breweries and great opportunities for coaches to catch the nightlife and get a good meal along the way. Downtown, there's a free, a free streetcar. Dean, that you can get anywhere in town that you want, which is exciting. And that runs 24-7. And we're also getting a brand new airport. Fortunately, it won't be ready, but <laughs> talks about the airport on their arrival here. But you'll be able to see that in the mix for the next time we come to Kansas City. Quick comment on safety and health as we bring everybody together in Kansas City in January. You know, Dean, we're going to do everything we possibly can. This is something I think about every day. We are going to follow CDC guidelines. We're going to follow the city of Kansas City Missouri, their guidelines as far as what we can do to host this wonderful event. They've already had some big time events here downtown. They had Comic-Con two weeks ago. They had 70,000 people here. So they're experienced as far as the health and safety is concerned. Anybody has any questions, they can go right to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. There's a big tab on the top that talks about health and safety what all our hotels are doing, what the convention center's doing, and what we're going to do as an association to make sure all the attendees are safe in this pandemic time. 
We're here with Jeff Van Dusen, the Director of Operations and Events for United Soccer Coaches, our opening guests on Countdown to Convention. Every week during this time, we'll visit with somebody that has some ties to the convention. That means we're going to visit with everybody that's in charge of the diplomas, everybody that's in charge of the professional development as well. Let's get into the diplomas and break down. Take your time, Jeff, on some of the people we're going to hear here, but more importantly, we're going to see in Kansas City in January. Very excited about this. And this will all be up on the website as well. First of all, we've got our performance analysis diploma. The manager is Ian Donnelly. They're doing some great things within the association as far as providing some great education. They've got 10 sessions that are strictly about performance analysis. Then we've got the wellness essentials for every player. Sky Eddie Bruce is the manager for this diploma, the wellness essentials for every player. And they've got 12 sessions that are really focused on the player's wellness. That's nutrition, that's sleep, that's everything that you need as a coach to go back to your team and help with the wellness of all your players. Dave Newberry is the manager for attacking transition and scoring goals, which is always exciting. Everybody needs that. Nancy Feldman is training and develop the complete female player. There's a lot of questions out there. About 50% of our membership coaches the female player. And this is both for men and women to, to learn how to better connect with those female players and, and train them on everything from training techniques to communication to scoring goals, of course. We've got the goalkeeper special topics diploma with Lisa Cole, who's our goalkeeping guru. She's got some great presenters that are lined up that you'll hear from right here on the podcast, upcoming in the next few podcasts. And then Paul Marco, great coach educator, that's going to be presenting counterattacking and counterpressing. That's eight sessions strictly on counterattacking and counterpressing. You also have professional development certificates. Perhaps those you also covered in diplomas, but if we missed any, can you fill in the blanks? What I love about this is we do have our diplomas that we just talked about, but we're also talking our professional development certificate, which is who you are as a coach or an administrator. So Vince Gansberg heads up our diploma on the youth coach. Lynn Burling Manuel is heading up the club leaders professional development certificate all around how to lead your club and the relevant topics that are around the club leadership. Then we've got Celia Slater that's overseeing the assistant coach professional development certificate. We've got Kim Sutton, who is the head coach at Chico State, working with Trish Hughes, who is our brand new college services officer. They're working on the college coach professional development certificate. And these are all things, when we talk about these professional development certificate, it's not about the X's and O's of the game. It's about you as a coach and your level as a coach and what are relevant topics for these different areas. Rounding out, we've got Ian Barker with the Director of Coaching Professional Development Certificate. And then we've got our high school advocacy group that I've been working with for the NFHS United Soccer Coaches Professional Development Certificate for high school coaches. So we've got something for everybody whether it's technical and tactical or whether it's just who you are as a coach and how you can become better really off the field. Jeff, you really are a visionary and your team is outstanding. You also have some unique themes as well tied to this convention. Can you go into some of the themed participation events? This is actually a really new theme that we've got headed up by John DeWitt, who used to work at NASA 
And now he works with the Chicago Cubs. He's done a lot of things down in Houston with the Dash and the Dynamo and their pro academies. He's got a great group of presenters right around the physical development of the game. They've got four sessions and three of them are going to be kind of a coach the coach type session. They're going to actually ask all the coaches to come on the field and do practical tips and programming around strength development, plyometric and explosive development and teaching change of direction for soccer. So they're going to actually have the coaches participate in these. So you can actually go back to your team knowing that you've done these exercises yourself. They're going to coach you on the field, which is pretty cool. We've got the urban soccer development, special topic theme. That's going to be run by Vince Gansberg and how to go back into the urban areas and, and help with your urban soccer coaching development with coaches in your area. We've also got referees, which is also new. We're excited about this. I think for a better game, we're going to bring the referees to converse with the coaches and the coaches can converse with the referees and learn from each other and, and have a better respect for the game and each other's job. We're going to have some of the top referees in the world come in. Howard Webb, Essie Baharmas, all of them. And Joe Matchnick is the visionary behind the, the referee program. And then we've got futsal. We've had futsal, coaching futsal with Alex Parra with U.S. Futsal, but we're also bringing in the mix Keith Tozer and the U.S. Youth Futsal Group. So all these things are happening. What the cool part about this year's convention, all recorded sessions are included in your convention fee. That reminds me, registration opened yesterday. Explain to everybody what that means, because if you register early, it's a little bit less expensive, correct? Absolutely. This is the best price. I can't even tell you the last time we had this price. It's kind of a COVID price unofficially, right? Is we want everyone to be reunited here in Kansas City. So for 375 bucks, you get all of those sessions, access to all of those diplomas and all of those certificates. We've got about 225 education sessions that coaches can take advantage. But if you can't choose which ones you want to go to, guess what? When you get home, you'll get access to all of the recorded sessions for 375 bucks. Jeff, one of the key parts of the convention is the exhibit hall. I understand that's going great with exhibitors. It is. This is really how we monitor the success of the event. Right now, as of today, we have outsold Baltimore, which was one of our top exhibit halls as far as the number of companies that have exhibited with us. We're outselling that. We're outpacing that. That exhibit hall sold out in Baltimore in mid-October. So we're anticipating this happening again. There's 200,000 square feet of exhibits. And we'll also have the Verizon Innovation Hub as well, which is all surrounding the technology of the game. So coaches can come in and see the latest and greatest of what's happening within technology of the game and the Innovation Hub and all of the wonderful products that you can take advantage of in the exhibit hall. The business of soccer is done right at our event. And as I said, registration opened up yesterday. So you can go to United Soccer Coaches Convention. Doesn't get any easier than that. All together, no slashes, unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. You can register. Sounds like if you want to be an exhibitor, you better get going because that's starting to close out as well. Speaking of closing out, Jeff Van Dusen, your final thoughts on kicking off the countdown to convention on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I think if you stay tuned right here to the podcast with you, Dean, as a great host, every week we'll have somebody on talking about one of these 
wonderful diplomas, one of these great certificates that we offer. And then we also have some other sessions that will be just part of the convention. We're so excited to be back in person and reunited in Kansas City. We try and concentrate on four things for our members. One, provide an amazing education experience. Two, we want to celebrate our coaches with all the socials and networking opportunities and the wonderful accomplishments of our coaches. We want to get the business side of the game. I think we're accomplishing all that in Kansas City. So we hope to see you January 19th to 23rd in Kansas City. All right, what a great way to kick off our countdown to convention with Jeff Van Dusen. Does such a great job overseeing this convention, the director of operations and events. Jeff Van Dusen, you had to be my lead off for the countdown. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. See everybody in KC. That's this week's Countdown to Convention for the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Register today at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Few coaches in the history of college athletics can boast a more impressive record than Rockhurst men soccer coach Tony Toko. His 713 career victories going into this season ranks second on the all-time list among intercollegiate men's soccer coaches. Of course, last week we had Dr. Jay Martin as those two go back and forth. And of course, Tony has spent his entire 50 years in coaching at Rockhurst while compiling this overall record of 713, 212, and 80 going into this season. The Missouri Sports Hall of Fame inducted Tony into its 2020 class in Kansas City. They were a perennial power in the NAIA from 73 to 97 under Toco, and they became a Division II program in 2000. And that's when Tony continued his tremendous run. Tony, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, and we had Dr. Jay Martin on. And so Steve Beal, who's a dear friend of mine, and also you've known him even longer than me, said, hey, Tony's right there knocking at his boots. So we got to make sure he comes on. Talk about as you kind of go back and forth with Dr. Jay Martin, I don't know how well you know him, but obviously you guys are neck and neck. You know, I, I think Jay would probably tell you the same thing. You know, I mean, you, you go into each season, of course you want to win games. I mean, that's that's what you're that's what you're paid for. That's what you recruit kids for. So I mean, that that that's what. But you know, I I really don't pay attention to the record. And I think Jay would probably tell you the same thing. I don't pay much attention to it. I don't. I look at each game as going in to win. If we don't win, then I look at the next game, how are we going to prepare our kids to win? But, you know, as far as Jay, I, I don't know Jay very well. I mean, our paths don't cross. You know, I've been NEI Division Two, and Jay has been up there doing a phenomenal job in, in Division Three. So our paths don't cross that very much. I, I remember when I got to talk to Jay for a little while when they had the national uh, division three uh, national tournament here over at Swope park and Jay's team was in it in, in the semifinals. And I just got to say hello to him. And, and that was really one of the first times I really, really met Jay and, and got to speak to him there. He does a tremendous job, does his thing. And, and, and I, I go out and try and do my thing. That's it. 
Well, that's a fair answer. One of the things that Jay said last week about being in the Hall of Fame, and as I mentioned, you just went into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. He's like, I couldn't have done it without my players. It takes players to win games, and you don't get recognized in the Hall of Fames without winning games. Do you have that same sentiment? You can coach up players to a certain level of their talent. And, and Jay will tell you this, and I think that's what he meant. I, I truly mean it. I find the better the talent I have, the better the coach I become. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I have talent, boy, I'm a really good coach. And when I don't have talent, well, guess what? I'm not that good anymore. <laughs> so you can coach up to a level. Maybe you can sneak in uh, through your coaching philosophies and things like that. Maybe you can win a close game here and there. But to be consistently winning, to get to the level where Jay is or I, I am, You've got to have great teams and great players. I mean, that that's what it's really all about. Well, Antonio, you've had great teams in the NAIA and Division II. What do you remember about your time in the NAIA and then also that switch to D2? To me, I always loved the NAIA tournament. I, I think it's the greatest tournament going. And, used, and, and it, it's changed over the years. But when we used to have what we call the World Cup format, basically teams were put into pods. Okay, and there was there was uh, four pods of three teams each, so twelve teams. So the first first Monday through Wednesday, you played against those teams. All right, then you had Thursday off, and then you played the semifinal and finals on 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 uh, Friday and Saturday. So I mean, basically, I mean, you, you played four games in essentially six days, and, and, and some teams it was worse for they played four games in five days. It was really really a phenomenal tournament that that you went through it really was and and, and you met so many great teams if, if you take a look at division two today who are the outstanding teams in division two today they were all old NAI teams they really were i mean that it's it's the NAI teams who've gone division two that really are making up a lot of the champions today in division two and, and what that always meant was that if you're a really very good team in NAI you can play division two, you can play division two. There's no doubt about it. So in that, that the NAI helped prepare us for division two. Now the major difference between the two divisions though, in division two, I would tell you 98% of the time in division two, you're playing always against really good athletes. There's no easy game in division two. There really isn't. When we made a run, the three years we made a run to the semifinals in 15, 16, and 17, in our conference, which I think is DL, GLVC is one of the strongest conferences, I'll never forget, two out of the three years, I mean, we were going in undefeated to certain teams, and we lost to the 15-seeded team and the 14-seeded team that year. Those were our first losses. You can't take a break in Division Two, whereas in NEI, sometimes you do get a break. You meet weaker teams. But... But the best teams in the NEI at that national tournament, it was a bear. You met great, great teams. You really did. I like the fact that you use the word not take a break because unless things have changed, I understand that you're also a full-time professor and head of the accounting department at Rockhurst University. Are you still doing that, Coach? Still doing it. Still held at the accounting and finance department at Rockhurst University, and I love it. You know, I always tell people, you know, that accounting, teaching accounting and teaching soccer – Basically, they're the same thing, essentially, but they just take place on different venues. One, mm-hmm. I teach accounting in the classroom. I teach soccer on a soccer field. But you're, you're teaching, and that, that's what you're constantly doing. That's what coaches do. They teach. And, 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 that's, and how well you teach 
is a matter of how well students perform an exam or how well they perform in a game. So to me, there are so many great similarities between the two. You're a 1967 graduate of St. Louis University. You played on the only undefeated and untied soccer team in St. Louis history in 1964. And you pitched in the College Baseball World Series in 1965. You also received your master's degree and PhD from St. Louis. But how about that run? Undefeated in 64 for soccer, and then you pitched in the College Baseball World Series in 1965. Take me back to that special time. Oh, God, that, that was... That was, that was an era of unbelievable sports for St. Louis University. You know, the soccer team from 1959 all the way to 1974 or 75, I think they won 10 or 11 national championships. And, and not only did they win 10 or 11, but they, they lost in several national championships. So it was one of really total dominance by St. Louis soccer. I was so blessed. I really mean it when I played at St. Louis U in soccer. I mean, the players that were on that team were phenomenal. You know, St. Louis just had, you know, they voted who were the top players over the last 50 to 75 years or the top players ever in the city of St. Louis. Two of the three top players at that time were Pat, who were voted in. Pat McBride was voted number one top player ever in St. Louis and Carl Gentiller was voted like number three. They were both on our soccer team. They were phenomenal. I mean, th those two could carry a team. They really could. They were just both phenomenal. But you add to it other guys, you know, like uh, Jack Keneally, who passed away now, and uh, Jack Gilson, and, and, and people of that who were all Americans. I mean, we just had so many great players. You know, it, it was a shock to me that we were the only undefeated and untied team. It really was, because I thought there'd be more of that. But we were fortunate, and, and, and we, we were very, very good, uh, very good. But I'll tell you what, I mean, once again, going back, great players do great things consistently. That's the difference between good and very good and great. Great players always play great. Good players play great here and there, but not consistent. When you had the players we had who were always playing great consistently, good things were always going to happen. All right. I'm not going to let you get away from the baseball question, though. Good, very good, or great. How good were you on the mound, Coach? I had some really good years. I really did. My sophomore and junior year, I led the Missouri Valley in ERA, the lowest ERA. I pitched two no-hitters while I was there. You know, I, I, I did. we won three Missouri Valley championships while we were there. So, I mean, we were really a good team. Now, the difference, our coach was really, really bright. His name was Roy Lee. We had two really great pitchers throughout my three years there. One was named John Markham. The other was named John Dasko. And then I was the third pitcher. And Markham and Dasko were really, I mean, they were blazers. You know, at the time, now I'm going back to the 60s and 60s now, when 88 to 89, 90 miles an hour was really a fastball. You know, we don't get into the hundreds back then. But basically, they were throwing anywhere between 88 to 92. I mean, they were just blazing fastballs. And then you had me coming in there and I couldn't break a plane of glass with my fastball. <laughs> I, really, I mean, I just had more crap. I had, it was slow, slower and slowest, you know, you know, but, uh, but I, I, but, but the players, I was throwing everybody off balance because they were so used to playing against Dasco and Markham. So, and when I came in, they were so far out in front of my ball. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so, so it was, it was just, it was just great, great, uh, Great strategy by our coach to come in and, 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 and pitch me third after having those two guys. So I was very, very fortunate, you know, but 
I, I did have a great career. The thing that I would do, and my players loved playing when I pitch, because everybody was on high alert, because mm -hmm. everybody was going to hit the ball. Everybody hit the ball. I didn't. Maybe I strike out 10. I might strike out 10 people in a season, but mm -hmm. just a game, you know. So, I mean, but everybody hit the ball. And, and very. And I, would, I was really very fortunate a couple of times that they hit the ball right to everybody. And that's how I got to pitch a no-hitter. It wasn't because I had 14 or 15 strikeouts. It wasn't that at all. I, probably in the no-hitters I pitched, I may have had one or two strikeouts. That was about it. So I was very, very fortunate to have great teams around me, you know, and a coach who had a strategy of how to use me. We're here with Tony Toko, who's chasing down Dr. Jay Martin, who was on last week. And Steve Veal said, you got to get Tony on this week. And I totally agree. You know, one of the things I asked Dr. Jay Martin, who's got just a few more wins than you, I told him, hey, the number 800. He said, you know what? My wife wants me to do that. I haven't totally decided is the fire still burning, Tony? Have you thought about a number eight hundred? No. Can you hang in for that? I'm I'm not I'm not sold on eight hundred. I'm I'm really not. I, I truly truly mean that. What? Let me give you an example. Like last night, we we have what we call a varsity squad, and we have a developmental squad. And the varsity squad practices from three fifteen to five thirty, and our, our developmental squad practices from uh, seven to uh, eight forty five. I attend both practices. I love it. I I, I love working with both groups. And, and as long as I have this desire to work with and improve kids, and, and I do, I take it year by year. I, I don't I don't look at it. I, after every year, I evaluate my coach and evaluate, am I still the right person to do this? Do I still have the fire? Do it is can I do what I've been doing in the past? And so on and so forth. And 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 I, I evaluate myself and reflect on my season overall, and and and, and make a decision after that. But right now, I still love getting out there, working with the kids, and making them better. It, again, it, it's like the classroom. When my when I love when my classes in, in accounting all get great grades. I do because I feel like I've had something to do with it. And when I can improve a young player and make them better at their position, I feel really good about myself. And 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 as long as I still feel that way, I'm going to keep on doing it. The only part of Dr. Martin's answer was the part that he wished he had an answer to is the bus rides. He doesn't exactly like the bus rides. You know, he said he'll get home way past his bedtime. Are you okay with the bus rides or do you agree with him? I got to be honest with you. I, the only thing I differ with, I don't mind bus rides. Okay. Because I can catch a couple hours sleep on the bus. I, I get a lot of good reading in, you know, and stuff. Like, I don't mind. The, the problem, like, like this past weekend, we drove to Oklahoma. And so here I am, I'm driving. And it was okay because I was driving during the day. What I don't like is when we have uh, a two or three o'clock game in the afternoon, say on a Sunday afternoon, and then I'm driving, you know, at, at eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, I, I'm up there in age and I really don't like driving at night. I, I really don't. But that, I don't mind the bus rides. It's just, it's just the driving at night that gets to me. Guess what? The United Soccer Coaches Convention is coming to your area. It's going to be in Kansas City in January. Are you going to be there and tell us why you like it so much? Uh, oh, definitely. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there hundred percent. Most, most, my problem is, is that with the soccer coach, the convention, I, I, I haven't attended as many as I'd like to only because it interferes with my teaching schedule so much. So if I'm out of town, I, you know, and I, and I'm leaving for three, because I teach Saturdays also. And so basically if I'm out of town, I, I, 
you know, I, I, I can't do those classes. And, and so, you know, I, I can't go to those conventions. When they're in St. Louis or they're in, you know, a local a, a area I can get to and get back from, then, and then I'm going, I'm going to make that convention every time I can. And the reason is, you know, there's so much to do at the convention. There really is. But the greatest thing about the convention is just meeting good friends. Uh, and, and you don't get to see them that often. And I've and I've been blessed because I've had so many great friends that I've been able to to uh, to to know and meet with over the years. I mean, just great, great people. And, and we talked about Steve Veal. We talked, you know, we I can name you a thousand of them. And, and when I see that, that at the convention, it just makes me feel great. I, I just love seeing the people that that I haven't seen for a while that we've we've had so much in common and and, and just greeting, seeing them and seeing them and, and talking to them for a little while. So the convention to me is about it's not only about what the convention I can learn from the convention, but it's just meeting and greeting old friends. Let's end with this. Normally, I would ask you again about United Soccer Coaches, but because you did such a good job covering it, I'm going to end by just simply saying, when you hear the name Rockhurst, what does it mean to you, Coach? Rockhurst has been a great, you know, I I, I talked to our president. Our president, Al, just has decided this would be his last year. And, and one of the things our president has always done, he's always congratulated us, the soccer team and everybody else, and, and congratulated me for, for, for doing a good job with our players and, and coaching in many different times. And I've always said, you know, what I hope I've been able to do is create a partnership with Rockers. That, and, and what I mean by that, Rockers has given me so much, you know, just, just the ability to coach and to teach, you know, and, and, and try to do more for our program in many, many ways to make us a national powerhouse. And, and I've hoped that we've reciprocated by doing the things that Rockhurst is so proud of, that that we have not done anything to ruin that name. You know, you know, you've always heard the name on the front is more important than the name on the back, and and that's that's important to us. It really is. So we like one of the things that we try and do, and we try and tell our players, if we're going to another school and we're playing another school, we we make sure that we leave our bench area just as clean as we found it when when we got there. We do little things like that to make sure that people understand who we are. And it's it's always doing by example more than by word of mouth. And, and that's what we think about leadership. And Rockhurst is a school of leadership. And, and leadership is just, soccer is just one more way to show how Rockhurst is a leader. And, and they, they truly mean what they say. Steve Veal nailed it. He knew you would be a great guest and he was spot on. I love your passion, love your energy. And let me tell you, Tony, whether the number 750 or 850 or even 1,000, thanks for all you've done for the game, for the association, and for Rockhurst. Great to have you on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for joining us, Tony. Well, thank you very much for for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about soccer and about Rockhurst. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. And as I said, United Soccer Coaches is a great organization. I've been with them. I can't, I, I don't know exactly how long, but it's been a long, long time. So I, I'm proud of my association with them also. Another great interview with another legend of the game. When we come back, we wrap up our show with Keeper Wars Inc., where America's goalkeepers go to battle. You can check them out at KeeperWarsInc.com and you'll enjoy our visit with Casey Clark, the founder and CEO of Keeper Wars Inc. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. 
Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student-athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Keeper Wars, Inc., where America's goalkeepers go to battle. And I saw it at the USYS National Championships, and it is the real deal. And we're joined by Casey Clark, the founder and director, CEO of Keeper Wars, Inc. Casey, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Awesome, Dean. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad we got to touch base at the national event for our first Keeper Wars National Championship, but alongside with USU Soccer. And so uh, from there, I'm super excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm going to set the table by reading for a couple minutes a letter that I saw from you on KeeperWarsInc.com, and that's I-N-K.com. My life is a keeper to whom is interested. My name is Casey Clark. I grew up in a small town called Denair in Northern California. I was born into a heavy agricultural family that raised cattle. I was an American cowboy that grew up loving sports and wanting to ride bulls. My mom quickly shut down the idea of her little boy riding 2,000 pound beasts. So my next step was sports and I managed to find something that I could do fairly well, goalkeeper. Fast forward a few years, I put all my focus and effort into being the best goalkeeper I could be. I went through highs and lows of growing up as a goalkeeper. I played for Turlock Fire Elite in the highest level of competitive soccer for the Northern California area. I was put to my limits many times mentally and physically, broken bones, separated shoulders, ribs out of place, losing games for my team, and plenty of stitches to keep mom worried. I was told growing up that keepers needed to have a short-term memory. Not until getting ready for college did I understand how important that really was. As a goalkeeper, I always felt like an outcast on the team, and I had the weight of the team on my back. I would be so nervous going into games that I would have trouble eating anything if I had games that day. If I had a good game, then everything was fine. I did my job. But as a goalkeeper, when you mess up more times than not, it ends up as a goal and all eyes are on you. This weighs on you and would stay with me long after the game was over. My playing goalkeeper may have been even harder on my parents. No matter if you're in goal or cheering from the sideline, the position is not for the weak of heart. I got to my senior year of high school when I found out that I had a chance to go to college for soccer. If I wanted to go to college, I would need a scholarship. I would drive an hour to goalkeeper training and an hour home two times a week, club training three times a week, and high school soccer training after every high school day with the mindset of getting a scholarship offer so I could go to college. While this was going on, my team entered into the Nomads San Diego tournament. I was asked to sign up for the Nomads Keeper Wars tournament that was involved with my team's tournament. I read the rules, thought it sounded fun. Little did I know that it would become one of the fondest memories I have to date in my soccer career. I ended up winning that Keeper Wars tournament, and I'll never forget it. And Casey Clark, you didn't forget it. You're now the founder and director of Keeper Wars, Inc., where America's goalkeepers go to battle. I really found that letter fascinating and endearing, and that really is probably the biggest reason why you launched this entity, right? 
Yeah, that's kind of spot on, Dean. This is something that all of my past and kind of my upbringing in that goalkeeper position and, and being a part of that one event was a, was a life-changing moment for me. I got to do a lot of things that I never thought were possible in that uh, goalkeeper world and the professional world. And so I wanted to see, you know, I needed to bring this to the rest of the, the soccer world in some way, you know, and we wanted to kind of try it out. We wanted to do a local event. Uh, we just wanted to see kind of what would what would come of it because I knew it was special for me, but I didn't know how others were going to feel about it. And from that, we did our first event and uh, no national partners, anything like that. It was just kind of putting it on in the St. Louis area. After day one, leading into day two, parents were like, when can we sign up next? This is exactly what my goalkeeper needed. We love this event. This is everything for goalkeepers that we wish we had when we were growing up. So after that, it was like, we need to try and do something. We need to try and reach out to somebody. And that's kind of how this thing took off. Not only do I want to learn about your vision for Keeper Wars, Inc., which I think is laid in the foundation of your letter, My Life as a Keeper, but I also want you to, after you explain your vision, explain what it looks like because we don't have the benefit of video. I had the benefit of video when I emceed the opening ceremonies for the USYS National Championships. Do your best to not only explain your vision, but tell people what it looks like because it's high intensity. Yeah, it's uh, something unlike anything else in the soccer world. And uh, we, uh, we're kind of excited about that. But uh, for people that don't know, and I know there's a lot out there, we're just growing. You know, we started this last year during COVID. But um, this is a platform that we have made that's played all around the world in different types of ways with different rules. But we have kind of put our spin on it and made it something that we can replicate to give goalkeepers the love and support and platform that they truly need. Goalkeepers are neglected audience. You know, there's a, not a lot of things for them out there. And this is something that kind of gives them that enjoyment. You know, I think goalkeepers miss out on the fun side of that position a lot because of the pressures, because of the stressors and because not having that support in that role very much. So we decided, hey, we want to put on this Keeper Wars event to give them the platform, give them some love and give them some excitement of that position. And so from that, we have this game that is played with uh, one goalkeeper and one goalkeeper. It is a small field, about 18 yards apart, depending on their age. And then from there, they're basically competing against that other goalkeeper that is straight in front of them. And you're trying to score more goals on them than they're trying to score on you. And so from that, we have uh, official referees, we have rules, and they are trying to distribute that ball however they can in their shooting area to try and score on that other goalie. And so from that, they're able to work on all types of distribution, all types of saves, and truly that game mentality of how you're going to strategize to try and beat that opponent in front of you. And all that is in a matter of seven minutes. People hear that and they're like, holy cow, this is a really uh, short game. They don't really get much out of that. No, you guys got to see this because uh, you talk to a goalkeeper after one of these games happen and uh, they're going to tell you otherwise. You know, they're going to tell you that this is a truly mentally and physically demanding game that brings out the best in goalkeepers. Yeah, I witnessed it. The seven minutes seem like 30 minutes. In fact, they remind me of calling games and they'll have seven minutes of added time. And you know how those seven minutes feel like 30 minutes after you've gone that long. I mean, it yeah. is seven I mean, gut-wrenching with sweat pouring <laughs> down minutes, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something that's, uh, it was tough when we started in COVID because, uh, these kids were super excited to join it. And, um, you know, we were putting on events with state associations and all of a sudden these kids come from not being able to do anything to a keeper wars event. And it was, uh, 
it was challenging and tasking to say the least for these goalkeepers to come from absolutely not being able to do anything and then jumping into one of our events. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's super cool for those that haven't seen it. You guys got to come see one of these events. Um, no matter if you're a spectator, just a teammate of a goalkeeper, college coaches, you know, we have this platform to help everybody try and see the enjoyment of the soccer world itself, but then also give that limelight to these goalkeepers and uh, kind of Dean, you asked about my vision of what we wanted to do with this. Um, when we started out, you know, we just wanted to do kind of a local event and, you know, put these on in a few areas and see if we can kind of give back to the community. My part of, I got done playing professionally and I wanted to still be involved with that goalkeeper world. And uh, this was my way of doing so. And then we saw the excitement. And so from there, my vision and my team's vision got a little bit bigger. So our COO, Tanya Pinkerton, she actually told me, she's like, hey, you need to reach out to USU Soccer. Just tell them what you're trying to do. And, uh, you know, let's see if they want to be involved. And so I did. I gave them my vision. I gave them a little bit of why this is needed. And from that, we were able to truly touch base with Chris Webb and Aaron Heffernan and Skip Gilbert. And they saw the need and potential with this Keeper Wars event. And so now what we're able to do is we work with state associations all around the U.S. and put on these games and national qualifying events for the keepers in those areas. And then with that, they're able to qualify for the national championship. We just held our first one in July this year. And from that, we were able to have 29 states of goalkeepers represented at that national event. And so this is something that we see only growing. We're only doing more positive things and partnering with more people to make these events possible. And those goalkeepers are able to be seen by colleges. We have advanced stats systems that actually follow these goalkeepers to come to these events and, uh, you know, kind of be the gold standard for goalkeepers because uh, they need that, you know, they deserve it. And we're excited to be able to give it to them. Keeper Wars Inc., where America's goalkeepers go to battle. We happen to be with the founder and creator of Keeper Wars Inc., Casey Clark. I read the opening part of his letter. He would go on to talk about the vision that he just shared. One of the last three paragraphs is all about how do I know Keeper Wars Inc. will be successful, as written by you. How about I just ask you, how do you know Keeper Wars Inc. will be successful? That's a great question, Dean, especially when we have no other kind of templates to go off of, right? This is a brand new game, unlike anything else. And so bringing this to the soccer world, there's always questions, right? Because this is this brand new funky game that nobody's heard of and uh, kind of what's going to come of it. And I think that was a hurdle that we had to get over when we were a younger company was showing people how we were going to run this. This was not going to be a circus event, you know, just kind of thrown up. This is something that we truly put in time, effort, staff, everything to make this as professional as possible for these goalkeepers to be seen. So how do I know this is going to be successful? The amount of partners and state associations and USU soccer support to make this possible helps us bring this event all over the U.S. As of right now, we work with roughly 20 states to bring this annually to their area. Once you guys see this, it's the excitement is, I guess, the the overall determining factor of do we see this company being successful long term and what we're doing being successful. And that enjoyment, Dean, at these events is 
is something unlike anything else. And I know I say that a lot, but you guys got to see one of these events because the families that are here can't really relate. They're a little bit of an outlier on their team, right? And now all of a sudden they have a whole community that are in the same boat and they can connect with. And these goalkeepers, whether they're winning the games or losing the games, they're interacting and truly becoming a goalkeeper community with the rest of the goalkeepers at these events. And it's uh, something that is truly special and I'm excited to be a part of it. When you listen to this podcast, I often flash back to my time as the press officer of the U.S. World Cup team in 1994. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes I'm sure people roll their eyes and say, Dean, live in the present. But I think about Tony Miola, who you know was drafted by the New York Yankees, who could play in the midfield. He could play as a forward, a super athlete. He even kicked a little bit with the Jets in preseason. And I remember... Tony Miola getting involved in playing like little 18 yard games and absolutely crunching the balls and getting just excited as scoring a goal as saving one. Then I remember Jorge Campos when he came to major league soccer, when I was the director of communications and the way he changed the game and would come out and play on the field as well. And then more modern day, like Claudia Dickey, who's now the starting goalkeeper for the UNC women who are undefeated and number two in the country, a basketball player played midfielder, a senior year. And it just shows me that, goalkeepers are elite level athletes Casey Clark and I feel like what you're doing at Keeper Wars Inc I use all of those stories as examples is a great way to demonstrate that athleticism yeah absolutely uh you kind of hit it on the head there Dean because that goalkeeper position let's say uh somebody's trying to come see a goalkeeper if their team is having a great game guess what? You're not seeing much of that goalkeeper in action, right? And, uh, you know, same on the other side. If they're having a terrible game, you're not going to see the best parts of that goalkeeper and what they can actually do. And this is a platform that is able to kind of show all of those athletic abilities, um, all of those mental processes, the ups and downs in a very short amount of time specific for those goalkeepers. So uh, you talk about like uh, NFL combines, right? They're they're checking out the quarterbacks and they're running them through all kinds of different things. This is almost like that combine for goalkeepers. You know, you get able to come in, you're able to see how they compare with the other goalkeepers. You're able to see all their advanced stats online. And now you're able to truly see what that goalkeeper is capable of and what they could be capable of. And just their overall atmosphere, uh, their overall personality at one of these keeper wars atmospheres is uh, something that is truly a platform to help everybody involved. That's the coaches, that's the colleges, that's the players themselves and building that community all in the process. A few more questions with Casey Clark, the founder of Keeper Wars Inc. That's keeperwarsink.com. Who's your favorite goalkeeper of all time? I love a lot of them, but uh, Tim Howard is kind of my, uh, my idol. So it was uh, something that kind of uh, went full circle when we had our, our national event and that video happened to where uh, Tim Howard was talking about the position itself and just handling pressures and stuff like that. And then my company was able to be, you know, following him. So, I mean, I read his book, I, I knew all about him um, and I just kind of saw him as my hero growing up and what I wanted to kind of become. And uh, it was uh, something really cool to see that happen. Tim Howard, the Minister of Defense, you read his book. If we want to read your quote book and learn more about KeeperWarsInc.com, we know to go to KeeperWarsInc.com, but how do we sign up? How do we get you engaged? How do we get you on site and active? 
If uh, somebody wants to be a part of our event, this is basically something where you can go online. We are putting on events all over the U.S. all throughout the year, um, and these are going to be kind of our city tour to where we're going to take this place all over to try and get this to all the goalkeepers possible. Um, so if somebody has a goalkeeper, knows a goalkeeper, uh, you are a goalkeeper, this is something for you. And um, you can check it out on our website, keepwarsinc.com. And then from there, they're able to register. It gets you all the information about our events. You want to just see kind of what we're all about, where we're going to be at. It's all going to be online and they can check it out there, Dean. And we're also going to be working with the state associations as well as U.S. Youth Soccer to put the, put on these events. And the reason I say that is because a percentage of all proceeds from these events actually go back to the state associations and U.S. Youth Soccer. And our hope is to be able to help those kids that can't quite financially make it to be a part of soccer. And we want to give back to them in this process. And then on top of that, we work with a company called International Myeloma Foundation. And they are our nonprofit charitable donation that we work with every single uh, event that we put on a percentage of our proceeds go back to them as well. Giving back in every way. Last question. If folks missed all of this interview, but they only hear this one question, what do you want people to remember about Keeper Wars Inc.? And when you're done, be sure to thank any special members of your staff that you want to thank on this platform, the United Soccer Coaches podcast. This is a platform for goalkeepers. This is a tournament setting that gives back that limelight, that love, that support that these goalkeepers need. And, you know, with that being said, all of this is um, a ton of behind the scenes work. And, you know, I get to do podcasts like this and I get to say my piece and uh, have the, the limelight a little bit, but the team that makes it possible is everybody behind the scenes. My team is incredibly supportive and all in to make everything we can for these goalkeepers. And Tanya Pinkerton, our COO, Sherry Clark, our CFO, uh, Jim Clark, uh, Sherry Clark and Jim Clark, both my parents. Uh, and Jim Clark is our communications coordinator and he is the DJ and the sound of our events. Um, and Christian Fuentes, those guys are a huge part of what we do and why this is able to be possible for these goalkeepers and to be able to give back how we do. Great to meet you down in Florida. Even better to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Casey Clark, the founder and creator of Keeper Wars, Inc. One more time, that's KeeperWarsInc.com. Casey Clark, thanks for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean, I appreciate it, man. I look forward to talking to you soon as well. What a great show. I want to thank Mike Noonan, the top man at Clemson. Remember, I've got the call of Clemson NC State tomorrow, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. I want to thank Michelle Lennard, who's got her team at number two in Division II women's soccer at Dallas Baptist University. Jeff Van Dusen kicking off our countdown to convention. We go back to D2 with Tony Toko, the longtime coach at Rockhurst. And we finish the show with Casey Clark of Keeper Wars, Inc. I also want to thank Sean Chevrolet, Bailey Conklin, Jonas Worth, Erica Dyer, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, my producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.